and welcome to the Sengoku Archives podcast. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host. In this first episode, I'll be talking about the Sengoku Archives, what to expect from this podcast, and a brief overview of the era of focus. The Sengoku Archives is a website I created as a project for my professional English class that I took in my senior year of college. I was one of two public history majors, which is a field that focuses on how history is viewed in the public eye. Our goal for the class was to create something that would be available to the public and could be sustained long after we graduated. While my fellow history classmate went to YouTube, I went to creating a website thanks to WordPress.com. Four years later, the website is still running and getting better with every year, but it has changed since I first created the site. I originally started out researching people in battlefields, writing very generic articles. It was basically, here's this person, here's their life, here's this battle, here's what happened. I wasn't entirely satisfied with the content I was producing, and I just didn't want to be a Wikipedia of Sengoku Jidai history. After a rough 2020, I looked more closely at my website and decided to make a change. At the beginning of 2021, I announced that the Singapore Archives was going to stand out from other websites that talk about samurai and Japanese history. The Singapore Archives still talks about the Singoku Jidai, an age of civil war in Japanese history that spans almost 150 years, from 1467 to 1615. But instead of writing battle accounts and biographies, the articles would be more analytical. Such examples would be people that are barely mentioned in history books, the important women of this era, legends and myths, Christianity in Japan, and even how daily life was during this time. Yet that is not the only thing I'll be talking about on this podcast. The Sengoku Dai has made its way into Japanese pop culture and has even come to the West. Reviews will be done on things like video games, animes, books, films, and documentaries. The reviews will tend to focus on the history, meaning if it follows history more closely, I'll look at how closely it does so, and if it's more historical fiction, then I'll be looking at the hidden history within the pop culture medium under review. These tend to be the most fun sometimes, as I end up learning more interesting facts by questioning the smallest details. But before we get started on anything, I would like to give you all a brief timeline of the era of focus for this podcast. Sengoku Jidai, literally meaning Warring States period, can trace its beginnings to the Onan War, a war that has many possible catalysts for its spark. To make things easier for this overview, we'll focus on the main problem at that time, the Shogun's retirement. During this time, the Ashikaga clan was the family in power, and the leader was Ashikaga Yoshimasa. He was the 8th Ashikaga Shogun, coming to power in 1443. But by 1464, Yoshimasa just wanted to retire. The problem with him retiring was that he did not have an heir to take his place. Yoshimasa turns to his brother, Ashikaga Yoshimi, for help. Yoshimi was a monk who lived a peaceful life in a monastery, one that he didn't want to leave. By the end of the year, however, Yoshimi gave in to his brother and left the religious life to take over as the next shogun. There was just one tiny problem. In 1465, Yoshimasa's wife, Tomiko, gave birth to a son. Now, Yoshimasa was in a bit of a bind here. He had already made Yoshimi his heir and began preparing him for the role of shogun, but now he had a legitimate son. Understandably, 
Yoshimasa still kept Yoshimi as his heir, but this did not set well with his wife, Tomiko. Enter the Hosokawa and the Yamana clans. Hosokawa Katsumoto and Yamana Sozen were related to each other via marriage, but they couldn't stand one another. Despite this, they couldn't find a good reason to quarrel with one another until the succession dispute came about. Because both clans had ties to the shogunate, they got involved. And, of course, they took opposing sides. The Hosokawa sided with Yoshimasa and Yoshimi, while the Yamana sided with Tomiko and the infant son. Tensions began to rise so much that the Hosokawa and the Yamana began building up armies near Kyoto. To try to stop this, Yoshimasa stated that the first person to attack within the capital would be declared a rebel. But this threat couldn't stop the inevitable. War finally broke out in Kyoto in 1467. During the war's 11 years, there really wasn't any standalone battles. Most of the fighting took place within the first few years, the most intense being within the first two. After that, it turned into street fighting, looking like something out of Seven Samurai. While historians claim that the Hosokawa won the war, there really were no clear winners here. By 1477, the Ashikaga clan, which was already beginning to show signs of decline, became nothing more than puppets to whoever controlled the capital. Kyoto was left in ruins and would not see such destruction on that scale ever again. Both Hosokawa Katsumoto and Yamana Sozen died in 1473, never seeing the end of the war they started. And while the Hosokawa clan gained control of the Ashikaga clan after Yoshimasa's death in 1490, their clan had been significantly weakened as well. The war that was fought in the capital set shockwaves throughout the country, and Japan would begin to experience a phenomenon known as Gekokujo, which roughly translates to the low oppressed the high. Gekokujo best describes the period following after the Onin War and even into the age of the Three Unifiers, which we will cover next. It is a complete 180 flip on Japanese society during this time, mainly affecting the social classes. Examples of people who can be considered embodiments of this phenomenon are Mori Motonari, a daimyo from the province of Aki, who managed to take over the Ouchi and Amago clans, gaining control of the entire Chikoku region, and Saito Dosan, a man who started out life as a monk, then became an oil merchant, and then finally overthrew the Damio Mino and took it over for himself. Other figures that were active during this era before 1560 were Takeda Shingen, Uesugi Kenshin, Hojo Ujiyasu, and Imagawa Yoshimoto. It is during this time period that we see the rise of Buddhist warrior monks known as the Ikoiki. These monks managed to take over the province of Kaga after a revolt in 1488, and they played a huge role on the path towards reunification, especially during the age of Oda Nobunaga. New technologies from the West began to arrive in Japan as well. In 1543, a Portuguese ship arrives in Japan, bringing Matchlock's guns with them, and they were introduced to the Japanese. Christianity would follow suit, which would have a rocky relationship with the Japanese. By 1560, we see the rise of three important figures who all work on top of each other's successes to finally reunify Japan. They were Oda Nobunaga, Toyotomi Hideyoshi, and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Nobunaga was the first of them, taking the steps towards reunification in 1560, when he took on and defeated the Imagawa army at the Battle of Okehazama. Hideyoshi would rise from a peasant to a general under Nobunaga, and Ieyasu also served Nobunaga as one of his closest allies. 
With their help, Nobunaga managed to restore the Ashikaga Shogun in 1568, which completely dissolved in 1573. He almost annihilates the Takeda clan at the Battle of Nagashino in 1575, and in the process, reinvents samurai warfare with his usage of guns. Nobunaga came so close to conquering all of Japan. However, on June 21, 1582, Nobunaga was betrayed by one of his retainers, Akechi Mitsuhide, and perished in a sea of flames at the Honoji Temple in Kyoto. Toyotomi Hideyoshi rises to the occasion after the death of Nobunaga. He manages to avenge Nobunaga at the Battle of Yamazaki, facing off against Mitsuhide, who would later be called the 13-day Shogun. He takes over the territories Nobunaga once held, and after that, reunification happens in record time. Hideyoshi becomes the one to finally reunify Japan after the Hojo clan surrenders at the siege of Odawara Castle. He takes the title of Kampaku, which is similar to the role of Prime Minister today. He would not take the title of Shogun due to his peasant background, but that didn't stop Hideyoshi. During this time, we see legislation be put into place, like the famous Sword Hunt Edict, and we also see the beginnings of Christian persecution, as seen with the 26 Martyrs of Japan. Hideyoshi made a costly mistake, though. In 1592, he attacks Korea after the country would not simply allow them to pass through to attack China, Hideyoshi's main goal. This campaign not only failed once, but twice, for the campaign happened in 1592 and again in 1597. The fallout from the war in Korea would play a huge role in the future. Hideyoshi would pass away in September 1598, leaving behind his five-year-old son Hideyori as heir. Because the child was so young and couldn't properly run a country, Hideyoshi put together a council of five generals and five administrators to take care of both Hideyori and the country until his son reached adulthood. Due to everyone's distrustful nature, however, this did not work out the way Hideyoshi was hoping. Tokugawa Ieyasu began to flex his power and began taking the steps to take over the country for himself. A loyal Toyotomi administrator, Ishida Mitsunari, tried to stop Ieyasu's grabs for power. The country ended up divided once again. Those generals who remained loyal to the Toyotomi sided with the Western Army, spearheaded by Mitsunari. However, a lot of generals distrusted the Toyotomi after the Korean campaign, and thus sided with Ieyasu in the Eastern Army. Everything finally came to a head on October 21, 1600 at the Battle of Saikikahara. The Western Army almost carried the day, but with the betrayal of Kobayakawa Hideaki, the tide shifted against Mitsunari's favor, and Ieyasu was victorious. Ayasa would later take the title of Shogun in 1603, and thus establishing the Tokugawa era in Japan, also known as the Edo period. Just because Ayasa was now the Shogun, that did not mean that his problems were over. After the Battle of Saikigahara, many samurai were executed, exiled, or if they got lucky, they saw a reduction of their lands. This led to an increase in the number of ronin, or master samurai, roaming the country. Many of these ronin began to gather in the city of Osaka, where Toyotomi Hideyori still lived. They hoped to bring the Toyotomi back to power, some believing that they were used by Ieyasu during Saikigahara. Ieyasu stepped down in 1605, and passing on the title of shogun to his son, Hidetada, only angered these people more. Tensions rose so much that Ieyasu had no choice but to take to the battlefield once more. In the winter of 1614, the Tokugawa laid siege to Osaka Castle. After they had caused significant damage to the castle, the Toyotomi agreed to peace. 
This peace did not last long, and with accusations of the peace treaty being broken, the two clans fought once again, this time in the summer of 1615. In the end, Iyasu won the day, and the Sengoku Jidai ended with the death of Hideyori and Osaka Castle in flames. Incredibly, Tokugawa Iyasu saw the beginning of the end of the war and lived to see the end of it for himself. Iyasu died the following year, managing to outlive the war. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. If you want to check out the website, please visit us at www.thesengokuarchives.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we also have a YouTube channel. All the links for those are on our website. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you will come back for more. Thank you again for listening to the Sengoku Archives podcast. (laughs) 